Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's the sixth and final episode of your preview season series. It's been a lot of fun. We hope you've enjoyed the course of these episodes that we've released over the last two weeks or so. Today we are looking at Serie A. We are going to Italy for our final preview as well, Calcio returns this weekend. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me is the rank god, Mr. Sam Ty. How you doing, mate? Hello. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I'm very excited for the return of Serie A. Uh, all of our second leagues last year, I think. And um, it's only got better and more fun and more exciting over the summer, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's um, there's a lot, lot to like about this Serie A season. A lot to be intrigued by. So I'm looking forward to it too. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, very, very good. Looking forward to a new season in another country. But um, and yeah, don't forget, I've got that that secret little fixture to come up, haven't I? AC Milan v Juventus. I'm planning to go to that one, so I'm more excited than ever because I'm actually going to f- go to a game. I don't think I've been to a Serie A match before. I've been to Champions League games in Italy, but never a Serie A match. So big season for me. There you go. There you go. That is that is exciting for you. Um, it is. And what, and what a what a game to go to as you're as you're, you're kicking yeah. off. Yeah. Um, a clash of titans, shall we say? Mm. And um, well, to be fair, talking of those two teams, maybe we should start at the top of the league. And this title battle, obviously, AC Milan are reigning Scudetto champions. Dean, are they going to hold on to this? Uh, probably not. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, yeah, I'll I'll dig into the the title race, shall I? Because Let's face it, I only really know about the top three or four teams in this league and you you two like <laughs> digging around into the depths of it and watching the Cappuccino the Mer- the games Merc and all yeah. Yeah, I don't have as much time to indulge. I'd love to, I, I really would. But um, as it is, I'll just take the glamour at the top of the league. Um, and yeah, we'll probably just start by um, recapping on how the league table ended. Um, AC Milan did win the league. They did have to go right to the end of the season. Um but they pipped into to the post. They won the league in the end by two points. They got to 86. In third place was actually Napoli. They got 79 points. And Juve were back on 70 points in fourth. I say back uh, back in fourth. At one point, we didn't think Juve were going to get as high as that. So actually, it was a bit of achievement in the end. Um, when I'm discussing this title race, I'm only going to talk about three teams. I'm afraid Napoli are not coming into my part of this conversation. Um so we'll get onto that later, but I'm going to start with Juve, who, to be honest, I think are a bit of a mess. Um, they are basically the Man United of Italy. These two teams, I presume they've got a WhatsApp group between them and just talk about absolute chaos because they're <laughs> as bad at running things as each other. They're, they're swapping players that aren't very good. Um, I just don't really know what the plan is with Juventus, to be honest. Like Allegri's back, yeah, but we still don't really seem that much clearer on what his actual aim is for this team. Um, their end to the season wasn't pretty last season. Um, they did get over the line and finish fourth. Their big signing of the summer, Paul Pogba, won't be seeing him for a little while. He's injured already. That's a blow. The other big signing is Angel Di Maria. I can't get that excited about him, I'm afraid. Like, obviously, he's a good player. He'll have an impact on the season. But he's 34. I think we've seen the best of him. He'll have moments in this league. 
don't think that's what Juve had in mind. A few years back when they started eyeing all these young players and trying to like capitalise on not just like dominating football on the pitch, but also in terms of marketing, they were looking for these young players and that's when they started signing like Delict and people like that. Now they've still got Vlavic, so that's good and he's very marketable and he will score goals. But honestly, I think even Vlavic looks a little bit um, like he's scratching his head at the moment and slightly broken even about what's happened around him. Um, Delict and Chiellini are now gone. Um, Dybala, he's gone too. Um, yeah, I think I know. I did, wasn't sure about why Dybala was doing that, but I do know now. He was just jumping ship because he's seen what's coming. Like, this <laughs> isn't actually Dude, guessing. Been, you seem very low on Juventus. Yeah, you've um, been the Juventus kind much. of arbitrary for, for so long. They're not looking that good. Well, they're not looking very good. They're not mm. looking very good. Not, uh, okay, like Memphis Depay is on the verge of joining. Well, that's a gamble. I mean, it, that I could be a good signing. Yeah, that I could be it. a good signing. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, do you know one of the main reasons that I'm I'm really, really down on them is because they got absolutely smashed by Atletico Madrid the other day. They lost 4-0. I watched the, like extended highlights of that game. It could have been about 8-0. They were rubbish, like a proper rubbish. Um, I know a lot of people don't pay any attention to preseason, but sometimes you have to, um, especially if they get battered. Now, look, Bremer should be a good signing, obviously. Um, they've got to swallow on the opening weekend. I think they'll get off to a winning start there. But they've got early games against Roma and Fiorentina. And I think that'll be a good gauge of like how far ahead this team are, how far behind they are, whether I'm being too harsh here. Um, when I look ahead at this season, I just think that like losing the players that they've lost, replacing them with people like Pogba and Di Maria and potentially Memphis Depay isn't a great look. And it's certainly not the look that they were talking about two or three years ago. Um, they'll be in the title race at some point, I imagine. That's more to do with the standard of Italy than anything else right now. They shouldn't really have been finishing fourth last season, in my opinion. So yeah, I'm going to be harsh on Juve as we come into the season. They've... They've got a long way to come. Um, I'm not. I'm not that optimistic about this. Yeah, I mean, don't you're, sound you're, convinced at all. You're but, more optimistic uh, than me, though, because I don't have them in the top four. <laughs> wow. Okay. There you go. Well, then, then it, it falls to me um, to be a little bit more positive for the sake of Juventus fans. Um, Philip Kostic will be a great signing. Uh, Kostic yes. and Quadrado as, as potential wing backs or, or flying full backs. I'm really excited. The problem with that, Sam, Bremer. is that they don't have enough centre backs to play to play three at the back. They like they have well, Bremer have play, and Bonucci. Danilo. Fine, but we all Danilo. know that's a bad idea. And then behind that, what have we got? Regani. <laughs> yeah, Regani. It's it's just yeah. it's not it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. You're right. The defense the defense is still a concern, even with a big a big signing there. Um, and obviously, as Dean says, you know, talks about the the the, the exits there of Delict and Chiellini. It does hurt. Um, but once Chiesa comes back, um, once Kostic settles in, once Pogba returns from injury, if Memphis Depay signs Di Maria and Vlavic, there is enough here. One hundred percent, there's enough here to hurt teams. Now, whether Allegri actually allows them to do that, I don't. I don't know. And that's he's kind of both a blessing and a curse here because, well, he'll probably allow Juventus to punch above their weight while they're missing so many players and while they're settling in. He'll probably limit them and limit their ceiling when they actually get them all back because he won't let them cook and therefore they won't reach the heights they possibly could. So blessing and a curse in the, in the same vein there. So it's a tough one to gauge. But 
I'm generally just, I think, a bit more optimistic about Juve. They've got some of the better players in the league. Pogba will return and he'll be really, really good, in my yeah, opinion. Um, Locatelli, I think, is due a really good season. I love Bremer. But yeah, they've got a lot of injuries. So Chesney's out for the start of the season as well. Um, they have a lot of injuries. I can understand some of the pessimism, but yeah, thought I'd balance the argument a bit there. There are reasons to smile if you're a Juventus fan. And if Memphis comes... This will all start to look very different. Look, I, I think I think there's a there's a three five two here that on the surface looks quite nice. If if all the if, if Memphis does come in, right, you know that kind of Danilo Bonucci Bremer back three, um, Philip Kostic on one side, Quadrado on the other, Zachariah, Locatelli, Pogba in the middle, and then Vlavic and and Memphis or Chiesa when he returns, obviously, but that's not going to be for a while. That's that's a fine. That's, that's a final. I don't think he starts if they go three five two. Um, yeah, well, and, he and so can't I think really, can he? He can't. He doesn't really have a spot. So there, there's that. Also, I think there's an element of Di Maria is going to be in and out of this anyway. But the, you know, that's fine. And I think that first team is, is probably good enough to just about compete. They could probably do with a little bit of depth. Um, you know, maybe a right centre back there. They could, they could improve. But on the whole, I like that side. Right. I think it's a good side. What I don't see is any, any depth. Like whatsoever, aside from, you know, I, I like some of the youngsters in midfield. Um, you know, I, I like Ravella, I, I like Miretti, I, I like Fagioli as well. But I, I don't think that, that these are going to be like, okay, cool, you could come in and drop them in in the Champions League semi final kind of players. Um, and I don't think that there's enough at the back in terms of depth to play three at the back. So I think he's going to abandon that quite quickly because he, he's bought out and out wingers to play a 4 3 3 and then randomly gone and bought Philip Kostic. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, and, and that's the kind of squad building you don't expect from, from this side. You don't expect from Allegri, you know, something that doesn't make sense in that kind of context. For me, it's all a bit weird. You know, Kostic has only really had these breakout seasons as a wingback. He's the perfect wingback in so many ways. So you kind of have to play a three at the back if you've got Kostic in there. You want to use him to his full effectiveness. Um, and I think that that puts them in a slightly bizarre situation because they've just gone and bought wingers to try and switch to a 4-3-3. Well, I, th- I think you can play Kostic left mid in a four four two. I think that's okay. It does mean you you end up with Alexandro back in there as well, who I think they've been trying to kind of move on from. Kostic left wing, Di Maria on the right, or Chiesa on the right, and then, yeah, Memphis supporting Vlavic, or for now at least Di Maria supporting Vlavic. Again, I can, I can see where they're going. I can see where they're going. And, and having options is no bad thing. Having a little bit of depth there is no bad thing. But I think, yeah, there, there are a couple, of, a couple of starting pieces away from from genuinely locking it in and, and, and us, us all sitting here thinking, yeah, they're a force. They're not a force. They're still building. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Fair enough. All right. Let's, let's move it on to their contenders then, DJ. Yeah. So we move on from the Man United of Italy to Inter Milan. Um, and I think Inter Milan really will be looking back and thinking, we should have won that league last season. Oh, we yeah. should have won that league. And, you know, they just couldn't capitalize when AC Milan had a stutter and, you know, there weren't many of them, to be honest. Like AC Milan were quite consistent, but back end of March, going into April, I think it was, um, they dropped off a bit, AC Milan, and Inter dropped off worse at the exact same point, basically. Um, and then when we got down to the crunch, the home straight, we were all kind of questioning whether AC Milan could show the elite mentality they would need. And they did. They they put together a really strong run to the end of the season to get over the line and win the games they needed to get done. Uh, so Inter ended up missing out on the title on the final day by two points. Um, literally just missed out because they drew a game and Milan won a game. Um, they had a better goal difference. I think 
when you study it, like Inter Milan are probably a better all-round team. And if you were to play that season over and over again, I think Inter Milan would probably edge it uh, more times than Milan would. So this is going to be tight um, straight from the off. Um, now, like Juve, Inter haven't had a particularly good pre-season either. Um, now, they lost to Villarreal and Lons. They drew with Monaco and Leon. Um but, you know, they're, they're good teams to be playing against in pre-season. So it's, it's hard to judge too much on that because sometimes, you know, you don't want to be playing against teams of that similar-ish level, if you like. But they've gone for it. Um, and I'm less concerned about Inter in that sense, especially as they have a style and a winning mentality that they can fall back on from last season and the season before that Juventus do not have. The significant change, obviously, for Inter from last season is that Lukaku is back um, and they now need to get back to playing a brand of football that is effective for him. Um, other transfers, like Mkhitaryan, Onana, like the interesting additions, there's Belanova, um, Christian Aslani, who I don't know a lot about, but um, I spoke to someone who did and he said to me, he's basically a Brozovic backup if there's such a thing um, yeah. you two might know he's more actually than... really some he's really similar we run his 23 radar and they're they're very similar in a lot of ways oh, I like, well, I like him a lot Brozovic is hard to replace so that's good um, <laughs> so that's handy straight away um, the big miss so far is they haven't got the center backs that they were expected to get particularly Bremer who's ended up at a rival when he was expected to end up with them, and they've still got Skriniar, who's been linked with the transfer all summer, basically. Perisic is gone. Alexis Sanchez is gone. Um, Alexis, you know, you look back on his Inter Milan career, actually not bad. He's, he's actually had decent impact when he came into this team a lot of the time. So generally Goals in football, per minute, he was, he was doing pretty well because he's often coming yeah. off the bench, wasn't he, and making an impact. He was making an impact. And, you know, generally in football, he would probably branded a flop towards the later years of his career and understand why but at Inter wasn't really the case to be honest um now he was supposed to get Dybala that didn't happen so that's two big misses Bremer and Dybala um but might not be such a bad thing because we get to see Lautaro and Lukaku working together again and if that combination clicks straight back into gear then this is probably all fine. This is probably all fine. There's not really any concern about Inter Milan scoring goals next season. Um, that's never really been the concern with Inter. They can get goals. But there are concerns about them being caught out defensively. Uh, I was messaging one guy just who covers Inter Milan just saying, like, what are the flaws, basically? And he's like, well, the, the floor is always getting caught on the counter-attack for this team. And he said that's one of the things that Inzaghi had been looking at over the summer is making fixes for flaws like that. And so he should be, it's his job as a coach, obviously, but um, that is a flaw <laughs> that, that that will leave them exposed at times and they'll have to address as the season wears on. But ultimately, this is Inter Milan. We have to expect a title push at the very least. We A lot of people will just be expecting them to be champions. And I think beyond that, they'll probably just be looking to do better in the Champions League as well alongside it. Yeah, there doesn't look like there's massive holes in this inter side, right? Um, you look at the kind of outgoings um, and, and the one that kind of creates your eye is, is Ivan Perisic, who was kind of so crucial across the course of last season. But equally, you then look at that and you go, uh, OK, all right. Robin Gerstens came in in January and obviously didn't have all that much game time, got injured, um, but should be back now. And he's the natural slot back into that space. And and actually, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, they haven't lost 
you know, yes, they, they could have done with it with a defensive arrival. I agree, but they haven't lost anyone that they expected to lose either. Um, you know, as we speak right now. And I think that's, that's kind of massive, right? You know, the, I think the Bremer arrival was kind of thinking about the idea of what happened if Skriniar left, um, you know, or, or, or De Vrij left and, and actually none of those things have happened. So actually the defense looks as pretty solid as, as it did last season, right? Skriniar, De Vrij, Bastoni, there's no problems there. Yes, they can maybe do with another backup, but ultimately it, it looks all right from where I'm standing. And, you know, Fede DeMarco can play on the left of that three. He can also play as a wing back. His team looks really, really nicely balanced. Um, and I think that that's probably it. It's just players jumping in here. Onana comes in, obviously, and Danovic is going to get the, the opportunity to start the season in goal. Um, but you'd imagine it won't be long before and Onana takes that spot, given we know his qualities. Um, and from there, you're looking at this and going, there isn't really any weaknesses, I don't think, in this side. And that makes some relatively good bets to, to be a title favourite, I think, Sam. Yeah, uh, love the quality of the 11. Lukaku back in town, good depth. Um, I don't really see any problems here. If anything, the only the only thing I've, I've ended up questioning with Inter over the course of the summer is, you know, I don't think Bellanova is any good. So I don't really know why a top team signed him, but he's only a, he's a backup right wing back, like, and he hasn't cost very much money. So like, there's only so much you can question there. Um, and I don't really know why they signed Henrik Mkhitaryan either, because he doesn't appear to fit into any of the positions that Simone Inzaghi uses. But these aren't really massive criticisms. This is going to be a really tough season where you're going to need a lot of players. Uh, the fixture crunch is going to be pretty horrendous for Champions League clubs. A lot of these players are going to go off to the World Cup, you'd imagine. Um, and you never really know what effect that can have. So someone like Mkhitaryan, who is not going to the World Cup and gets two months off in, well, November and, and into December... Might be a mar- it might be a genius, um, a piece of genius in the market. It might be a masterstroke that I just hadn't really considered at the time. So we'll see. But the least you can do, really, as for a, for a, a team in Inter's position here, is is upgrade the starting eleven, which they've done with Lukaku, and to to get ready as best you feel you can for what is going to be a very very different campaign to anything we've ever seen before. And I think they've done that too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. There doesn't seem to be any chinks in the armour right now, but obviously we'll have to see how that pans out as the season gets going, um, which takes us to their cross-city rivals, Dean. Yeah, the champions of Italy, AC Milan. I'm so happy to say that because it, it was nice, brilliant it? and it, it was so well-deserved. Like the, the journey that they've been on with Pioli and with the, that group of players and, the, you know, the doubts that they overcame and... You know, changing little parts of the team as the, as they managed to bring things together. It was a proper like coaching job as much as anything else. They recruited well and then they coached them well, and it wasn't always pretty, but they always got the results they needed to, to, in that final season to get over the line. Now comes the harder part because you don't get to celebrate for very long, and it's all about retaining your crown. And I guess in Serie A, it can also become about challenging yourself to become the dominant force in this league because there's not one at the moment and there probably is an opportunity for someone to do that. It's hard to see it happening, but the door is open for somebody to, even between now and the deadline day, um, add a couple of players, particularly for AC Milan, who can take them to an even higher level for next season because I think it is worth remembering that the standard of the league last season was probably slightly below what it should have been. It was it was quite unspectacular at times, um, Milan's title push. 
Um, look, don't get me wrong, I still enjoyed it, enjoyed the way they had to go about it. Uh, but also since then, you know, losing Frank Kessie, it's, it's a big loss. You're looking at someone like Sandro Tonali now stepping up even further than he did last season, his influence to grow. Arrighi's arrived. You know, they've made additions so far. It hasn't happened as quickly as, as they would like. Um, and obviously the, the big one to kind of talk about is um, Charles de Ketela. Um, he's the one that seemingly took about two months to get done, but they did get they did do it, unlike some of the others they've been pursuing. Yassin Adley, they've also signed. Big impact signings that were needed to bring competition for places, but also new creativity um, in that squad. So I think that that's all a positive for AC Milan. I don't think this squad's complete though. I mean, Sam might know more than this. He's got better connections than me at Milan, but um, you know, there's the whole conversation that's taken place about the right-sided attacker, basically, who's that going to be? And Hakim Ziyech keeps being spoken about. Um, you know, various people have been touted for that role all summer. Um, they probably do have a thinner squad. Well, they definitely do than Inter, possibly even than Juve. Um, Tonali got an injury the other day and it was a bit panic stations for a little bit, figuring out like how long he's going to be out for. It doesn't look like it's going to be too bad. Might should only miss one game, I think. And on the flip of that, holding on to Rafael Leal, that's huge at the moment. I'm glad he stayed. Expect big output from him this season, I think. He'll, he'll probably step up another gear. He's still only 23. Uh, 10 assists, 11 goals last season for him in Serie A. It was good. I think he can be even better now. I think he'll expect that from himself too. You know, he's started to be linked to, to clubs in other countries now. Might be that this is his last season with Milan. Who knows? Depends how it all goes for him. And, and also depends how it goes for Milan. But yeah, they kick off against Udinese at San Siro um, on Saturday. Um, and it's really important, this, this first thrust of the season, basically 15 games before we go on pause for the World Cup. And it's a really big fit first 15 games for Milan to assert themselves on this league and show that it wasn't a fluke that they won the league last season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think for Milan, it's just a case of uh, picking up where you left off in terms of that defensive solidity. Um, and you can you can figure all of the other questions out on the fly as you go through the season. You know, whether or not later in the transfer window, they do get a right winger, they do get a little bit of help. What, which role does CDK play? Um, how does losing Kessie affect the midfield? All of these things. It's like you can, you can basically mask over all of these things and work it all out on the fly if Tamori... Kalulu and Magnon all play at the same level they did last year at the, at the, in the last 10 games where they basically didn't concede a goal for like two months. It just gives you the most wonderful platform, platform to work off. And um, Milan are in a really a really good position there. They've got a really nice fixture to start things. Obviously, reigning champions at home. Udinese, very beatable to nil. And you can just see the the snowball rolling from there, can't you? It, it's quite easy to see. But I mean, they've got, they've got some things to sort out in the market. I don't know where their head's at right now. There have been some problems with the fact that the takeover still isn't officially completed. Don't think it goes through until September, which has created even more red tape around all of the, the moves they're trying to make. They've been talking about a Tamori New Deal, needs several meetings for that. Um, it should be really easy because he wants to stay and they love him, but it's just all so difficult because there's so many people involved. Probably a little bit like uh, the, old, the the Newcastle takeover, Dean, when you were like, well, I don't know who's in charge here. There's about eight people that think they're <laughs> yeah. in control of transfers. Uh, it's, not tran- it's not transfer work. It's it's administration and business. And there's just yeah. a lot of people involved. So it's been very complicated. They should they yeah. should have invested more. They should have strengthened further. 
but there's still a bit of time and they do have something they can pick up and uh, and just and just take to the pitch again opening week and yeah the depth you're right the depth isn't quite there either um I mean, it might work nowhere near favor, as deep as squad as Inter. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to make too many changes to, to a team that's been built in the way that they've been built. And that's probably something that mm. um, can work in their favour. The fact that this first part of the season is short as well, it only goes to November. You've got, then got the break and then you've got the January transfer window. Well, that could be a good time to bring in those reinforcements because they'll be able to see where they have fallen short. I mean, it's only at the end of the day going to be one or two players short if they are going to be short. So that can be corrected too. And, and then this whole process should also be smoothed out that you've been talking about there in terms of the administration side. Yeah, yeah it, absolutely. You sort of hang in there, don't you, for 15 yeah. games and see what happens. Yeah. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because, you know, the, there's still some questions to be answered, as you say. But this midfield here of, you know, Benacer and Tenali, or at least the pivot, feels like it's only going to go from strength to strength. You know, these are two players who, who were so good last year and still have room to, to grow and improve. And and I feel like if you're basing it off that, and obviously Tamori and Kalulu were brilliant, Kier will come back at some point as well and, and, and give some depth to that centre-back pairing. Um, that bit of the field feels pretty solid. And Calabria and, and Teo, well, Calabria's fine and Teo's excellent. Um, so so these are, you know, this this bit of the field, that, that kind of back seven, if you will, mm. feels like it's in a good place. Um, and then you look at the front three, or the front four, and you're kind of looking at Liao being the kind of standout star. Rebic has played up front for most of pre-season um, with basically nobody else available. And it, it does that kind of set a weird precedent. I'm not quite 100% sure what's happened to Divock Origi. Um, but we ex- you know, expect him to, to return and, and lead the line at some point. No, he's a super and sub, it, mate. You're not, you're not been watching any Liverpool the last three years. I, I have. I feel like he's maybe done with being a super sub, otherwise he'd probably still be <laughs> at Liverpool. Um, mm. The right wing's a slight concern, although if Charles Ketelara plays there, then then maybe we have there's an answer there. And then you've got Brian Diaz and, and, and Adley in the middle here. Now, I don't know if Adley's going to play in this 10 or a little bit deeper, um, but he did create like 2.3 chances per 90 uh, across the season in France last season for a Bordeaux side that got relegated. You know, he is a, an unbelievable creative presence to have in there and he can kind of operate in that 10 role or further back. And and I think that gives them a nice little bit of balance to this side that allows them to change things up a little bit in, in terms of shape. And on the whole, yes, again, depth necessary, but it only takes one or two more Big signings here. I think a centre-back and a centre-midfielder and maybe someone's playing on the right wing, especially if the Salamakas to Eintracht deal is actually going to go through. Um, but on the whole, I, I still think this squad is excellent and I still think they'll be up there, you know, come come April challenging for this title. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No doubt about that. I mean, I, I still expect them to be up there. I mean, I have... To, I guess the, I'd caveat it with... It wouldn't totally surprise me if they fell away. I think that's probably the one thing that niggles away at me is because because they haven't been up there all these years challenging. I do worry about a team, how quickly they can fall away again. That's why it's such a big challenge for Pioli, especially this season, and why the recruitment does need to be spot on because, you know... Juve eventually will come back, maybe unless they are doing a Man United and are gone for eight years now. Um Inter Milan, though, will be there. And then you will get somebody else emerge. Like Napoli could have a strong season again. Somebody else could come come through, uh, whether it's, you know, Roma, for example, um, a, a force, a, an unexpected challenge. So there's, yeah, there's that test of mentality again, I guess, for Milan. I'll give you a clue. It's Fiorentina. <laughs>
Sam, I think that's a nice place to take it on to you and to the challenges, um, the people trying to break into this title race and and also, you know, fighting for these top four spots and, and, and Champions League as well. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take three clubs as well and we'll consider this much more of a, a top four battle, I think. Um, and we'll start with, with Napoli, who Dean uh, unceremoniously left out of his title challenging pack, despite the fact that only five minutes into what he said, he also disregarded Juventus from the title chase too. So <laughs> it's, it's it's tough times with Dean Jones if you're an Italian club. But uh, but Napoli Napoli finished third last season. Um, unfortunately, the summer probably hasn't quite gone to plan for them in terms of maybe building on that success. Um, they've lost three modern legends this summer, and there's no other way to describe them. Dries Mertens, who is their all-time top goalscorer, Lorenzo Insigne, uh, Neapolitan boy and captain, and Kaladu Koulibaly, possibly the best defender in Serie A over the last six, seven years. And while obviously not on the same level, we're taking a big step down here. They've also lost their starting goalkeeper for the last three years in David Ospina. And we're also expecting Fabian Ruiz to leave the club as well. He's linked heavily to PSG. So the quality loss here is absolutely tremendous. And <sighs> coupled with the, the just the turnover that creates, I think it's going to be really, really hard for them to maintain the level that they've set over the last couple of years, which has been a really high level. It's been close to 80 points last two seasons, 79 and 77. They've made some good signings like Matias Oliveira, good left back, Kim Min Jae, good centre back, and Geese is now permanent. Guevara, the Georgian winger and playmaker, don't know too much about him, but it's an exciting signing. These guys are probably at the right age profile as well, but like they've lost four amazing players, absolutely amazing players, and David Ospina, who started in goal for three years. So all of that, you know, consistency and and and, and all of those relationships at the back have, have just been split up. Um, and they're still scratching around for signings. You know, they want they want to sign Kelly Navas. Um, they want to sign Raspadori from Sassuolo. Uh, it looks like they're they maybe you know signing Giovanni Simeone. Uh, from Hellas Verona yes, so th- yes. all of a sudden all of a sudden Napoli you know in in the, possibly the worst possible time four three four and uh, you know, days before the start of the season they're in a flurry everything's exploded and they're suddenly trading players in and out and trying to find key pieces like they're not really in a great spot right now as we kick the season off and it is to me a little bit of a concern yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think there's been some interesting bits and buffs thrown around in that obviously you can't replace Koulibaly and, and Mertens and Insigne in the same level. What you can do is, you know, just do it on the aggregate to quote Moneyball, right? Um, <laughs> you can bring in a host of players who between them can maybe make up some differences. Now, Matthias Oliveira from from Getafe, I think, is is a good signing at left back. Um I'm interested to see how Minjay Kim does. Um, obviously came in for quite a lot of money from Fenerbahce. Um, yeah, there's Kuicha, as as you say, who's very, very exciting um, and has been brilliant in preseason. It, it looks like, you know, there, there's a couple more coming in here. Raspadori looks like it's close. Simeone looks like it's close, as you say. Sirigu, I thought, was a good pickup as a backup goalkeeper. Um, and Kaylor Navas looks like he's going to be included as part of the Fabian Ruiz deal going the other way. Um, so we've wished that one into existence. So yeah, there right. are things to be, you know, things to be excited about here, I think. 
Um, and and on the aggregate, it feels like they're getting stronger. I, re- I really like the idea of of Raspadori playing alongside Aussie men. That that that's exciting. Um, and I like the idea of either of them playing with Gio Simeone. So to be honest, th- there's there's things here that I- I'm interested in. I wonder if they'll go four four two, which seems like the natural thing to do if you lose someone of Fabian Ruiz's quality in the middle. Um, and and from there, I, I think Napoli are probably the most. They have the, the capacity, I think, for the highest drop or or rise from where they sit currently in my kind of rankings are around fourth. Like there, there is a chance if, it, if all this clicks, Napoli are in a title race. And if it doesn't click, then they're out of the European picture altogether. And that's a pretty nuts place to be. Three words for you. Diego, Demi, Remontada. <laughs> they're going to win Serie so. I've just decided I've so. just decided on the spot Diego Demi gets 38 starts and they win the league easy um, okay. no I mean I appreciate appreciate your optimism Jack but they're just obviously clearly nowhere near as good as they were last season uh, despite the fact that they're, they're making some good signings and I just don't I don't think you can survive that level of upheaval, particularly with the the importance of the players. So I think it's going to be tough for Napoli to make the top four. Um, I think more likely to make them are the following two clubs and we'll start with Lazio. Um, second year under Sarri usually comes with a, a, a relatively decent wedge of improvement. They've made some really good signings. Uh, Luis Maximiano from Granada, really good goalkeeper, perfect for Sarri's system. Marcos Antonio from Shakhtar Donetsk, perfect for Sarri's system. Exceptional fits and upgrades on what they had. Um, they have a seemingly revamped their entire centre-back core, which I found an odd move, but probably speaks to how Sarri viewed his defence last season and you do have to react when you lose a very important player like Luis Felipe. So it is it is tough. I'm but hot working in their favour. I like, I like Casale a lot and I think he'll suit Sarri's system. He's good on the ball. And Romagnoli's good on the ball too. You know, he he's might just, not be able he's to... He's just perpetually broken so I just think we can ignore yeah, him. <laughs> he can't turn, move or run but he's good at passing. Um, but anyway, uh, they still got Immobile. They still got Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. They still got Luis Alberto. The 11 still feel strong. Like with every other club we've discussed, bar Inter, the depth might be lacking a little bit, but Sarri usually lifts the floor on a team like this, particularly in year two. And then we move to our beloved Roma, who have had a really fun summer. Um, they've signed Paolo Di Vala. Is this the Gini best summer in Europe? No. Um, Do you know what I think? I think, it might, I think it might be. Why? Like every piece, I think, m- apart from Svila is an upgrade. Every piece. Well, who cares, who cares about Sevilla? Who cares about backup goalkeepers? But yeah, I mean, Wijnaldum, great player. Mat- I am like genuinely like still pretty half convinced that Matic, he can only do 45 minutes at the top level. And I know we have five subs. Um, but if he goes in and bosses Serie A, I'm going to ask serious questions about that league, man, because he looked gassed after, half, after 45 minutes in every Premier League game he played last year. He just couldn't keep up. Um, but Dybala, you can play him just... in games where you're not getting run through, right? Like if, if you, you know, at that point, you know, you can play him in games where you're dominant because he can just sit and he doesn't need to, you know, to do much. He can just recycle. I think that's well, what's going to be important at Roma this year. Hopefully, but I mean, it didn't really matter who we played against last year. He was gassed after 45 minutes. Uh, opponent was not a factor. Um, but hey, Zeki Celik in a, to bolster fullback, cool. Dybala, really exciting. Wijnaldum, really smart acquisition, I think. Matic, okay, good to have in the rotation. They've lost pretty much no one that they cannot go without. Um, Mkhitaryan to Inter probably stings a little bit, but Dybala just kind of makes you forget all about that. Um, Henrik who? Uh, and year two of Jose, trophy under their belts, 
upward momentum. Of these three clubs, I'd back Roma the strongest to finish inside the top four. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. I'd agree. I think yeah. this is. I think this is a remarkable summer. I think they have done, they've covered all the weak spots. Aside from maybe they could really do with a, like a first choice bold centre back addition. And if they get one of those, then they don't then, need any of those. No, well, they've only got four centre backs and they play a back three. <laughs> so, like, I, I do, I do worry a little bit about that. To be perfectly honest with you. Um, oh yeah. And, well, and you so wait till you see Nemanja Matic left centre back, buddy. Well, yeah. Well, let's let's, let's, let's <laughs> worry about that when we get to it, shall we? But um, I, I think they could do with a centre back. But apart from that, I'm just pretty hot on this whole squad. Like, I think it's a really nicely balanced team, um, and that's what I look for: balance. And and ultimately, at this point, I think Roma are the best best prepared out of those two. Although I do like Lazio's business as well a lot. Um, so yeah, I just think they're in a, they're in a good spot. I'm happy. Uh, I think this is this is a nice place for Roma to be in. Agreed, but they haven't had the best summer. Who has? Uh, we'll have to see on September the first. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm happy to say it's so. Hang far. on a minute. Hang on a minute. weren't, weren't we on a, a preview podcast? what, two days ago with Alan? And you were like, surely Barcelona. this Barcelona Hall is the greatest summer window of all time. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But only that, <laughs> do we have to, you, have, you have to caveat that with the fact that at the moment, Barcelona can't register any of those players, um, which would completely and utterly ruin the window. So uh, so at the moment, Roma are the ones with the players registered. And, and right now they sit at the top of the list, I think. PSG are probably in this conversation as well, you'd argue. They've, uh, they've had a good summer. But I think Roma are in the conversation and that's good enough for me right now. Good enough for me. Um, I'm going to take us on quickly to the other two sides who have been in and around the European places of late um Fiorentino finished seventh last year and Atalanta who finished eighth um now trying to assess Atalanta's outward transfer business is incredibly difficult because what they've done as usual is send 400 million players on loan um so trying to wade through that and just try and find the ones that they're actually getting rid of um is pretty tricky but there are some some very interesting things going on and we, we've seen some big losses I think at Atalanta we've just seen Remo Freuler uh, is on his way out. He he's going to be joining Nottingham Forest by all accounts. Um, and, and I think that when you're looking at you know the fact that they lost Robin Gersons last year, um, and, and the kind of fact that the only players that have been brought in really are either low knees coming back or Adamola Lookman or Edison who came in centre midfield from from Salernitana, who I think is a good is a good bit of business to be perfectly honest with you. I thought he was excellent for Salernitana last year. Um, it does just feel a bit like what's going on here with with, with where. With where they're going, I suppose, is, is is probably the way I'd put it. There's there's a lot of loans out. There's a lot of players who are like, hang on, where where are you off to? Why why have you gone? They've loaned about fifteen players to Empoli um, for the crack, apparently, and and we're just seeing like this kind of mix of of things happen that I'm not completely comfortable with. I'm worried about Atalanta. You know, this is the thing. Like you, you're looking at this and thinking. Okay, where where are you strengthening from last year where you came eighth? And I know that they had European competition to to contend with, but I think I think they've got worse. Um and that's that's a worry, considering that I think Fiorentina have got significantly stronger in this window. They've signed Dodo a right back who I really like, and I thought that to be honest, Real Madrid should have been looking at as a kind of carver how long term replacement. I think he's really, really good. Um they've brought in Mandragora, who's a bit of a kind of well, an enigma in, in many ways. We haven't seen him play football properly for ages. So I'm not 100% sure what, what Mandragora brings to the side, but I'm sure we will see because he will get minutes this year. He's still only 25. He feels like he's been around forever. 
um, and he's still only 25 years old. Um, Luka Jovic has come in on a free transfer, which is almost certainly the best bit of business in the entire summer. Um, Pierluigi Gallini has come in um, on a loan from from Atalanta or, or cancelled that loan at Tottenham and has come in to be first choice goalkeeper. Dragovski has, has left to go to Spezia, so he will be the first choice keeper. Um, and then from there, they haven't lost yet, at the very least, any of the big guns. You're looking at Milenkovic, Castrovilli is obviously injured at the moment, but he hasn't left. It doesn't feel like they've got significantly weaker in any position here. They've brought in some really good signings. There's talk of Giovanni Lo Celso being the next to come through the door at Fiorentina. I think they are in a very good place. I expect Arthur Cabral to kick on this year. I expect Jonathan Okone to kick on this year. I expect Nico Gonzalez to continue the level of form that he showed last year. I know there's Europe to contend with and there's a little bit more of, uh, of things to kind of cover and, and, and make sure you have to rotate for. But I really like this. I re- really like the business. And, and I think Fiorentina are on an upward trajectory under, under Italiano. Well, the good, news for... right now. <laughs> the good news for Fiorentina occasion. is that manager Vincenzo Italiano is brilliant at rotation because he does it all the time, even when his club isn't in Europe. Predicting Fiorentina 11s last season was like, it was like, it was like, like right, it was some of the hardest tasks you give a human being. For absolutely no reason at all, he would just change six players. They could win 4-0 and he'd just change six of them, even if they had a full week off. So the guy knows how to rotate, Jack. So Italiano he be... pre- preparing for Europe last season. He knew, yeah. he knew what was coming. <laughs> he did. He knew. Um, and he's got all the practice in. And so he knows exactly how to rotate his squad for a European campaign. So, yeah, I mean, of the two, of the two teams there, I mean, Fiorentina clearly in a better place. I do worry for Atalanta that they're sort of, they've lost their charm. They've lost their sparkle a little bit. Um, a lot of it was going to be based on how long some truly extraordinary players could carry on. And with you know, Ilicic sort of dropping off, Papu Gomez is long gone. Actually selling Freuler, you know, one of the last bastions of that kind of mini era. Yeah, I don't like I, it I don't, at all, mate. I don't love it. Um, you know, their transfer wheeling and dealing over the years has basically meant that we should trust them with the moves they make. But looking at their league position year on year for the last three years, they just keep slipping down the league. And it's getting harder to harder to trust the fact that Atalanta are, you know, nailing the window. Oh, that's a brilliant deal. Oh, they've moved on from him at the right time. It's harder to believe that. And when I look at Fiorentina and how they're building and strengthening, I do think that they're they're in a better spot. And I mean, I think I think Fiorentina might be in a better spot than Napoli, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really, I, I really I do. Th- I do really, really think those exits that we talked about from Napoli are going to are going to are going to ring true and going to really hurt them. So exciting stuff for Fiorentina. Yeah, it's um, the Velvet Revolution or the Violet Revolution, maybe I should say, um, well underway under Vincenzo <laughs> Italiano. Everyone's having a nice time in Florence right now. Let's come away from the top eight um, and talk about some regression candidates. I mean, we've just talked about Atalanta and they might be in this conversation, to be honest. But let's throw it to you quickly, Sam, and, and see where we get to. Yeah, Atalanta, definitely prop, uh, a contender for that. But I've got a couple of names to throw into the ring. I think the first one is going to be Sassuolo um, because they're going to have to try and replace Gianluca Scamacca and Raspadori. And I just don't see how a club like Sassuolo with their budget and their status can genuinely do that. I think it might be impossible. So they need to do what every smart club would do. And it's what they have been doing, which is to bolster the rest of the team and build out from a quantity perspective and buy players who are 21, 22, 23, ready for that next step. They've done it. They've gone out to Uruguay, Belgium, Brazil, Norway, and they've picked up a bunch of players who 
who look like they could be quite promising. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know tons about all of them, but I think they're probably they're shopping in the right markets. But yeah, if they could go and buy a player that could replace Skamaka, they they would. They just they literally can't. And so if you take all of those goals and that influence out of this team, what happens to it? It probably slides down the league a little bit. That's that's the awkward reality of it. And it's not really anything that they can do about like they can't stop it. It's just going to happen. Um, and the second club is Torino, and it's a sim- mm. it's a it's a it's a similar argument. I mean, they're. Sixth all-time top goal scorer is gone. Andrea Bellotti. I give him a lot of shit on this podcast, but he's got 113 goals for Torino. He's a massively it's important he, It's almost as if he's really good, yeah. Massively important presence for Torino. And he's gone. As has Serie A Defender of the Year, Gleison Bremer. I just don't see how you can finish in the top 10 if you're Torino and you've lost those two people. Yeah, I mean, they have at least the the managerial carryover, right? Which is important because Juric is excellent and he's done a really, really good job there. And I think that obviously it's going to be very difficult to to do this. The, I, I'm also worried, very, very worried about Sassuolo, man, because you look at these kind of out outgoings, right? And it's not just the fact that Scamach has gone. Um, Jeremy Boger obviously spent last, you know, last year on, on loan at Atalanta and, and has left personally. Sizio Caputo, yes, he's 34, um, but has scored a lot of goals for them. Gone. Filip Juricic, gone. Um, it now looks like Raspadori is going to is going to Napoli. So the only one left is Domenico Berardi, and he can't do it on his own. Much as he is absolutely brilliant, he can't do it on his own. Now they've brought in Alvarez from Peñarol, who I don't know very much about. Um, but ten million for a twenty-one year old is is a lot. I do really like Christian Thorsvet though, who they brought in from Genk, um, who's an attacking midfielder. Um, and I think that's a that's a clever bit of business. But I've got to say, I'm just as worried and maybe a little bit more worried for Hellas Verona because they've not only lost their manager, Igor Tudor, who did really well there, um, to Marseille. They've brought in Gabriele Chioffi. Um, so you can hope that he's in the Cappuccino game a lot, eh? Um, uh, they look it like they're gonna... his name, it would it would work but his name's Joffy <laughs> yeah but it's just kind of the same isn't it um, yeah sometimes you, sometimes you gotta force it you gotta force it um, it looks like they're gonna lose Gio Simeone as well um, and, and I think that you look at that and you go okay what's that going Caprari's gone He's gone off to, to Monza which is a bit nuts frankly um, considering how good and how many goals he scored last season um, Sakanya was obviously on loan at, at Lazio and he's gone there permanently. They've got lost Casale to Lazio as well. I'm looking at this side and going, I don't know how this is going to work. I like Tom Henry as a pickup. I think that's neat. I, I think that's a really good little bit of business. But apart from that, I'm looking at this and going, not sure about almost any of it. And, and I think under mm. new management, Hellas could be in real trouble, like real trouble. I think they could be, you know, 14th, 15th. And I'm not saying they're going to get relegated. But I, I just can't see them being able to back up what they've lost here in the market, especially if they lose Simeone. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think they'll probably take a step back, so they will regress. But I didn't, I didn't want to put them in with Sassuolo and uh, and Torino because I actually really, really like Gabriele Cioffi like as a manager. He did an amazing job with Udinese last season. He came in, he came in partway through the season and and really kicked him into shape. And at one point, Udinese were in the relegation zone. That's when they picked up their new manager. And he basically led them to sailing clear. He did a really good job with not with not that much. Let's be honest with you. I spent quite a lot of time on this podcast last year talking about how I was watching a lot of Udinese and I wasn't sure why because they weren't very good. But Joffe did a really good job. So they got Tudor taken off them very suddenly. It could have been a disaster, but 
this has gone this has gone pretty well. And given that I don't like Gio Simeone, I have to stay true to my narrative and say that this will be an overwhelming positive for them. You cannot say that you're worried about Torino because <laughs> they've lost Belotti and then be like, nah, it doesn't matter if they lose Gio Simeone. You just can't. No, I can't. That's complete bollocks. You're right. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I, I'm worried about them. I think this could be a big slide. Obviously, they've been top 10 for, for a little while now and, and, and kind of I think a regression back into the bottom half of this table is going to be kind of unavoidable uh, in many ways. Um, let's look lastly at the bottom of this table. And the big story, I suppose, is Monza, right? Bankrolled by Bunga Bunga Berlusconi, um, who has returned to the Serie A scene after some years away um, <laughs> with Monza. And he has made, or under his direction, at least, they have made some very sensible signings. I just talked about Gianluca Caprari, who scored a lot of goals last season for Hellas. He's come in. Um, but, but what they've brought in here is some some real experience, you know, in Serie A. They've brought in Andrea Ranocchia, who's, yes, he's 34, um, but is a, you know, is a, is a kind of war horse in this division and has been for a long time. Um, they've brought in Pablo Mari, um, who was obviously... Uh, on loan last Rubbish. season at Udinese, but he has played in this division before. They brought in Piscina from Atalanta. They brought in Stefano Sensi from Inter. And as we all know, when Sensi scores, whoever he plays for, win. Um, that is no, the, the overwhelming no, no, correct. No, it was if Sensi scores, Inter win. It's so now if be Sensi scores, uh, no, it's going to be if no. Sensi scores, Monza win. No, it's not. It's still the same. So we'll, we'll be interested to see the correlation on a match day. Now he plays for a different club. If Sensi scores, Inter win. If Sensi scores, Monza win. We can have them both, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but yeah, you know, Cranio's come in from from Cagliari, which I think is 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 a good bit of business as well. Um, he's he's a good goalkeeper at this level, and they brought in Marlon from Shakhtar Donetsk on on loan, the Brazilian centre back. I, I just feel like they've signed really well. Um, this is a really good bit of work frankly um across the Monza board and they appear to have built a team that know what they're doing I fancy Monza to not only um not only to to kick around in the division but actually finish about 12th I think this side Mm. is going to do really well I like them a lot um so there you have it there you have it um the other sides Cremonese um just don't look that strong although they have Sam signed Cyril Dessers um, yeah, hero, hero of the Europa Conference League, Cyril the Cannon, Cyril the Conference Cannon is going to be Cyril the Cremonese <laughs> Cannon from now on. Um, we have to keep an eye on him. That's that's very exciting. Um, but I don't think they've picked up well enough to to, to not go down again. Um, and Lecce are famously the yo-yo side of uh, well of culture. Frankly, they bounce between the divisions at will. Um, so. I can't see anything that's going to stop that for, for the time being. Although I am interested in the profile of players they picked up. They've picked up, um, you know, a, a, a winger from from Petar Tikva in, in Israel. They've picked up an 18-year-old defensive midfielder, Daniel Samek from Slavia Prague. Um, and they picked up Joel Persson from Roma under-19s, who is a Swedish centre-forward. It's a real, like, mix of things they've done here. They've gone like, yeah, we'll just take loads of random, random young players from across Europe and see how they get on. So that's interesting, um, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. Um, the other side I'm just concerned about, I think Salernitana, under the, uh, under the experienced hand of David Houdini-Nicola, are going to be absolutely fine. So uh, they'll, they'll stay out of it again this year because of what we saw last year. I'm a little bit worried about Sampdoria. Um, they brought in, as you say, Chicha Caputo. Um, they brought in Thomas Rincon. They brought in Philip Juricic. Some good signings. 
Um, and Gonzalo Villar from from Roma, who kind of never really got got going in Rome. Um, but they've lost Damsgord. They've lost Morton Thorsby. Um, and, and there's just kind of a lot of players here going, I'm not quite sure how, how this is going to pan out. Um, and I have a funny feeling that Sampdoria, after celebrating Genoa getting relegated last season, um, and the parade through the streets um, of blue and red with a coffin with Genoa flag on it, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, I've got a funny feeling they might be joining their uh, their city rivals in Serie B next season if they're not very careful towards the end of this mm. window. Wow. They probably won't even join them either because Genoa are probably going to come straight back up. The worst Genoa. Well, it's funny to see mm. how if the worst Genoa are still the worst Genoa in, uh, in Serie B, you'd imagine they probably won't be. Um, no, I, don't, I yeah. think they'll win the division. Okay, well, that's good. Um, yeah. You get some Serie yeah, B yeah. Uh, predictions in your Serie A podcast here this week, Rank Squad. Uh, so be grateful for that. Um, excellent. Right, Sam, I think all that's left to do is should we pick out a player to watch? Um, seems like a nice way to round this podcast off. Yeah, can do. Uh, bit of a breakout star I want to watch. And you actually mentioned him very briefly earlier. And it was my to my relief that you said that you thought it was, and I quote, a nice bit of business. It's Edison who is signed with Atalanta. Um, I think this is the reason they're moving on from Remo Freuler. I can't be certain, but I think they might have a lot of faith in this guy. I mean, he has cost like 19 million quid, which for for a player who has like six months worth of experience in Serie A and was signed from Salernitana and only joined them in January from his Brazilian club, I think it was Corinthians. It's quite a lot. It's quite a big bet. Um, but every time I caught Salernitana towards the end of last season during their great escape, Edison really stuck out to me. Uh, is roughly six foot tall, box-to-box midfielder, great acceleration, explodes into space, gets into the box, is trying to get on the end of stuff, headers, little toes on stuff, taking shots. He also has great feet, great change of direction, drops the shoulder really well for a, for a relatively large guy. Um, I think he's going to be on quite a few more people's radars in about six months' time. I think he's going to have a really good time of it at Atalanta. So exciting, exciting player and and uh, a, re- a reason to smile for Atalanta in in a podcast that we may have just given mostly reasons not to smile. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Um, I'm going to go for a centre midfielder as well, uh, and one that I mentioned there in another team that I think are going to struggle. It's Sass, uh, Christian Thorsvet, who I really, really like. Um, he's kind of moved very quickly up through the age groups, very quickly up in an international sense. Also, he moved from Viking to Genk, um, just before he turned 21, done two years there. Um, and I think he's he's a lovely profile, six foot two, um, but very skillful, um, very good on the ball, wins a lot of duels in there as well and can and can play further forward. Um, but I think that actually he, he's going to end up playing further back in, in this centre midfield zone for Sass. Um, and I just really like his profile. I think he's someone that, you know, can kind of win the ball in there, can make things happen, has, you know, has, has the ability to play centre attacking midfield if, if he needs to and can kind of has the vision and, and, and sense to play in those spaces, um, but also can build from deep and, and play make from a little bit of a deeper role. So, yeah, uh, someone that I'm, I'm really excited about watching, even if I am concerned for Sassuolo. Right then, uh, on that bombshell, I think it's probably time for us to wrap this up. This has. Hang on, are you back into in the league? Ooh. Go. No, no, no. That's five by five territory. That's five by five territory. Unfortunately, no. it's five by five territory. We're uh, <laughs> going to have to hold it. I, I will. I will okay, tell you. I'll press subscribe and I'll come back another day. Yeah, exactly. You'll have to wait around. <laughs> 
So last <laughs> September, when we do our five by five predictions, the top five places in each of the top five leagues, in order to find out exactly where we're putting things, it gives us a chance to to gauge the rest of the transfer market and to just see how the season begins as well. Obviously, it's important for our predictions league, which you can find over on our Patreon. Um, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you so much for listening. If you've listened to all six preview podcasts, you are an absolute gem. You are a star. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We hope you've enjoyed the extra content over the last two weeks or so. Um, it's been a lot of fun to make, a lot of work, a lot of reading, a lot of researching, but a lot of fun to make. Um, and in that in that vein, thank you so much to Mr. Sam Tyler Rank God. Cheers, mate. And thank you very much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Jack Collins, this has been Ranks FC, the final of your big season preview series on Serie A. We hope you've enjoyed the lot. If you haven't listened to the rest of them, go back and do it. They're all on the yeah. feed. You can listen to our previews for the Premier League, for La Liga, for Liga, for Bundesliga, and for the Portuguese Primeira as well. All here on the Ranks FC main feed. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We will see you next week, gang. Take it easy. Peace.